0: Well, good morning and welcome to chapel. Good to have you here today. Are you ready for the weekend? <laughs> it is good to be worshipped with you. Today is a red carpet Friday. We welcome our guests that are worshipping with us today. Good to have you here. <clears throat> now, I need to let our guests know that uh, at, the, at the close of many of our chapels, we sing acapella, a cappella, a song, a doxology. We sound really, really good. I need to let the guests know that. And so today, uh, we're going to sing in a way that some of your churches, some of you are from denominations where they don't use instruments at all, and Dr. Smith from the music department is going to get us, one round, one round of applause for you there, so, so, <laughs> is going to get us started. So we need everybody participating, we're going to sing hy- hymns of our faith and of the church, and Dr. Smith is going to teach us, and then we're going to go into a cappella, and we're going to get to hear, hear how we sound and let our guests hear how we sound. I want to just remind you, as others are gathering in, that uh, tonight, and tonight is the week for Miss Joyce Young, and tomorrow is the funeral. So I ask you to keep in prayer for her friends, and uh, which are you. And as I mentioned on Wednesday, you are her family. Uh, you were her family. And so today, in a few moments, we're going to sing her favorite hymn. Uh, that's, in fact, how we're going to start today. And um, later in the semester, we're going to have, you may have noticed on the chapel calendar, we're going to have what's called an intergenerational conversation. And the purpose of that chapel is I'm going to have some senior adults that I'm going to interview to hear about their faith journey and what advice they have for you because there are others that have gone before us in the faith that cheer us on as we move forward in our faith. And it's important that we be an intergenerational faith community in our churches and not just be with people our own age. And I think Mrs. Young's passing reminds us of that. And it just so happens, and I usually don't introduce guests, or introduce visitors that that I have by name, that you have, because we all have so many guests and visitors that that are with us. Uh, But Edie's great Aunt Elfrida is visiting from Wichita, Kansas today. She is one of the founding members of Wichita First Church of the Nazarene, and Wichita First Church of the Nazarene just celebrated their 90th anniversary. And she's one of the founding members. So I'm going to ask Aunt Elfrida. Will you please welcome Aunt Elfrida to chapel this morning? (laughs) Now, Aunt Elfrida, when she came here the other night, she was saying, Corey, I was on the campus a few years ago, and it looks different. And it was just a few years ago, and we realized after someone's hitting the lights on the back, you're leaning against the wall. Can you just turn around and hit all? (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Let's round of applause for. <laughs> so, Anna Elfrida was saying I was at ENC just a few years ago, and we figured out a few years ago it was 1972. Is when she was here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but it's good to have you worshiping with us. Uh, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Now, of all the places Aunt Elfrida could eat, we said, Elfrida, where do you want to go for dinner? Where do you want to eat? What are you looking forward to while being in Boston? Where did you say you were
1: looking forward to eating? I wanted to eat in your cafeteria. (laughs) (laughs) So Aunt Elfrida...
0: Ann Elfrida went to Southern Nazarene University. It was called Bethany College Bethany, back then. And
1: Bethany Nazarene University. And
0: she was telling me about her dining commons and her dining experience. And you were telling me one year uh, that was very difficult. Tell us about the year in the dining commons at Bethany College a long, long time ago. All right.
1: Uh, I hope I don't interfere with the time of your speech. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> Go ahead. You have all the time you need. The women and the men always met in the women's dormitory just before we ate. And there was a large gathering room. That's where many people got acquainted started dating and later married and so (laughs) forth. But we were assigned tables in the uh, dining room. which was just off from this place where we uh, gathered. And uh, we were assigned seats at the table. And then that changed about every three weeks or so. One year, one of the students paid her tuition in spinach. So you can imagine what our meals consisted of. (laughs) For several months after that, we had spinach, 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 and not very much other kinds of variety on the menu. But we had a lot of fun in the dining room. And uh, as I said, uh, many acquaintances were made there, and great times. How many of
0: you knew that you could pay for your college here at Eastern Nazarene in spinach? Did you know that? Yeah. Uh, you might want to go talk to the financial aid office about that, but uh, I don't know if that's possible. I
1: advise you not to, <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're fond of spinach. <laughs> right. Oh, another thing about our dining experience. <laughs> On Sundays, we had a very nice dinner. Then we were given a sack lunch for our evening meal. No more food was given to us until the next morning for breakfast. And many of us were so starved, even though we had a nice lunch, that we ate the sack lunch in the afternoon and had nothing to eat until the next morning because all of the stores, and there weren't very many that served food. um, Well, there were none that served food on Sundays. So there was no place to go. And very few had cars at that time, and they had to have permission to go off the campus. So most of us stayed there or walked down to the Overholser lake. It was called Holder Closer. And many persons <laughs> took, <laughs> took hikes down there in the afternoon in their sack of lunches and ate them, and then they were starved until the next morning, unless they happened to pick up a candy bar or something before then. Can you please welcome, thanks, Anne Elfrida, for joining us for today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: How, how many of you have people in your life, like a Mrs. Young or an Ann Elfrida, great aunts, great grandmothers, that have just been influential in your life and in the life of the church? Could you just raise your hand if there are people like that in your life? Let's just be thankful. Uh, let us be thankful for people that God has placed in our lives. Hear the word of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can human beings do to me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these sacred moments of worship through song and hearing from your word. And from your saints. Now speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray these things now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We've been uh, looking at the book of Hebrews, as you know, and it started with a Student Government Association, uh, choosing from Hebrews 10 to be their verse of the year. And that's where uh, the first time that I spoke during the semester is where we Uh, where we focused, what we focused on. we talked about how in chapter 10, we see that it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So the writer of this book of Hebrews is reminding the community to be a community of faith, hope, and love. A community that is faithful in the big and little things of life. And And we know, as we've talked about, that it is a community that was strong in their faith at one time, a community that was faithful to God in the big and little. To be some drifting away, if you will, some uh, maybe compromising, but the writer seems to allude to that a little bit. And so the writer is trying to encourage them and spur them on to love and faithfulness and to be a people of hope. And so in the second time that I spoke, we talked about what does it mean to be a people of faith, a community of faith. And last time we spoke, what does it mean to be a community of hope? Where in chapter 3 it says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters. And we started with being reminded of the fact that if you are a follower of Christ, you are holy. And those who are holy have put their hope in Christ. And, And so it really doesn't matter what others say about you. It really doesn't matter what others think about you. It doesn't matter what life may bring because you are holy. Never forget that doesn't matter what people say on you so about social media, whether that's public, with their name to it, or hide behind anonymity. You are holy. Don't ever forget that. And we can be a pre- people of hope because we know that God and Christ is faithful. And, and Christ is higher than the angels, the writer tells us. Christ was higher than Moses. And, and now we have an advocate for us on our behalf, So who intercedes for us on our behalf to God, so we have direct access to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, it is a beautiful, and wonderful book, and I thank SGA for reminding us of that and allowing it to be our verse for the year. And so we are called to be a community of faith, hope, and love, and as I I focus on the book of Hebrews today, I'd like to say I knew it all along and I planned it, but actually in chapter 13, the final chapter of the book of Hebrews, the writer focuses on, you must be a people of love. You must be a community of love. Reminds them and encourages them of that. As chapter 12 closes, the writer is reminding him that everything is worth everything that we do is an act of worship. So be faithful and truly live and glorify God with your lives. Not just in times of chapel or not just in times of church. That's not the only time of worship. Worship is every moment of our life. And he calls them to be faithful. And then he moves into this chapter 13, calling them, calling them to love and care for one another. Starts out in verse 1. So keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. So he's starting within the church. He's saying, first of all, in the church, love one another as, as brothers and sisters. To love one another. Now, I know some of you have come from churches where there might be one or two people that are a little difficult to love. Some of you may have some strange people in your church. I won't ask for you to raise hands. Some of you started to yet, but some of you, I even heard some amens. So let's just keep. We don't want to like, give testimony to our church. We have... I know it's difficult, and as I was thinking of this text this week, I didn't want to just get up and say this great truth, because it is a great truth. We are to love our brothers and sisters, for that is what God has, has called us to. But man, sometimes it's so difficult. Sometimes it's so challenging, and you'd rather just avoid them or dismiss them or maybe even leave the church, because you know what? The, the people in the church, it just, it's just too difficult. The writer says, "Keep on loving one another." Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his community, in a certain section, talks about how we have forgotten church and how Christian community is a gift of grace. We have forgotten how the church and the Christian community is a gift of grace, and because we have forgotten that it is a gift of grace, it becomes that much more difficult and near impossible to love. Our brothers and sisters at times. Bonhoeffer writes, It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren, brothers and sisters is a gift of grace. A gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us. It is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. It is grace, nothing but grace. Have you ever viewed your church in that way? Have you looked at your church that way? That it is a gift of grace? It is a gift from the kingdom of heaven and a representation of the kingdom of God. So love your brothers and sisters. And I do recognize that that is a journey and I can't cover it all in just one message or or, or one sermon here in chapel. I've learned for myself that I learned to love my brothers and sisters in Christ that sometimes it just takes some time for me to grow in grace and grow in my faith and to grow in love. Earlier this week on Sunday, we had uh, our former pastor in our home for lunch, and we also had a young alum who was here for his fifth for his fifth year reunion, and his wife and their children, and he was our first student chaplain when I came. And the pastor was the one who encouraged us to go to Long Island to start a church, and Gave us financial support from his church and we couldn't have started it without him. And he even told members of his church to move with us and go help start the church. He was kind of a crazy pastor. You know Why He was telling people to move from their church in Kansas to go start a church in New York. You know, how, how radical radical is that? And, and so we did in, the, in difficult years. And there was a time where we couldn't find babysitter. We couldn't find anyone to cover the nursery. We were a small church. And times where. Listen, you only have to cover the nursery one Sunday a month. We can start this rotation. You know, I had just come out through seminary, so I knew about rotating the nursery schedule. I knew how to do it. But I couldn't even get people to do that. And a pastor around the corner said, Hey, my son's at the Stony Brook School, and he needs some community service hours. Do you want him to come and, and sit in your nursery? And I said, Yeah, that'd be great. Probably should have maybe done a background check or something. Am I cutting in and out? So I didn't do a background check because I'm a pastor that really cares for the children. Just throw someone in there to watch the babies. But uh, so he he was coming from the Stony Brook School and he and he did did his community service for six weeks. And he came to me after he said, Corey, I'd I'd really like to keep keep coming to this church. And I said, well, that'd be great. I'd really like you to stay in the nursery as long as you'd like. Well, we ended up getting other nursery workers, and he started joining our worship service. He'd go to his dad's church around the corner, and then he'd come up to our church, the holier church, uh, after that. And his dad's a very, good, a very good friend. Well, he went to visit Gordon one day, this student. His name's Matt. He went to visit Gordon one day, and I've, of course, I was appalled as a, an alum. And I said, Listen, you can go do your big date. <laughs> we have guests here today, I'm sorry. <laughs> <We> have... <laughs> Uh, I was just, that's just a joke. Like they know me. So they know that I'm just trying to be, they know me. So they know I'm just trying to be like funny about that. Uh, so, but we are a holier college. But anyway, we were, uh, we were, uh, so he went up to Gordon. I really am sorry. I usually don't talk about that way. Here I'm talking about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And there I'm talking about going uh, Gordon college. So again, they know I'm kidding. They really, they really do. So I said, Matt, on your way back from Gordon, why don't you stop by ENC? So he did the full red carpet day and, at Gordon and it was great. And then they just they just stopped by here at ENC. They didn't schedule an appointment or anything like that. And they just walked in. They got a quick tour and then they grabbed a, a bite in the calf. And because it wasn't scheduled, the enrollment counselors didn't even know they were here. They just kind of walked around. And to this day, his dad gives me a hard time and says, Corey, man, I can't believe ENC didn't even buy us lunch. They didn't even buy us lunch in the calf. You know, to this day, he gives me a hard time. And I explained that they didn't know you were there, Matt. I'm sorry. And, but Matt decided, his son decided, I'm going to come to ENC. Came to ENC. And, and he, a few years later, he, uh, two years later, he went to African Nazarene university to do a semester abroad and scheduled that all himself and did that and felt there to be called the medical missions and called the medical missions. And then he met a young lady here and they ended up getting married. And now he's in his medical residency in Erie, Pennsylvania. And he's going to go in and be a medical missionary. And, and, uh, uh, I'm thankful whatever group or organization, it may be Sermon's Purse, person, maybe Church of the Nazarene, it may, who knows where it will be, but I'm thankful for that. And Edie had the insight that I had missed. And I look at those days of early starting the church, how difficult it was and how frustrated I was. People weren't like wanting to watch the people in the nursery and, and it wasn't going the way that it should and it wasn't going the way I had planned or my seminary training had prepared me for. And, and now as I look back, I realize it was going just as God wanted it to go. It was unfolding and moving forward just the way God wanted it to go as God was building his church. And so Edie had the insight and wrote an email to to J.K. and Patty and Matt and Tammy and said, I don't know if you know this, but Matt and Tammy, you we would have never made it to Long Island if it wasn't for Dr. Wark and the church. And, and if we didn't make it to Long Island, you wouldn't have been connected to the church and help us in the nursery. And then you would have never stopped by and to visit that day. And then you may have not met Tammy and on and on and on. And Edie saw that and captured that thought. And, and I was reminded that God will build his church. And we must be a people that truly love and care for one another. And when things don't go the way that we think they should, or people aren't acting or responding in the way that they should, let us still be people of love and understanding and grace, recognizing that the community is a community of grace, and that God will build his church. So, brother, love your brothers and sisters. He goes on, not only to love your brothers and sisters, but also to love the stranger, to show hospitality. So he talks first, the writer, excuse me, the writer talks first about loving those within the church community. And then he steps outside, the writer steps outside the community and says, love the stranger, show hospitality. In verse two, it says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so. Some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now. The writer could mean maybe actual angelic beings. We don't know that for sure. But most likely what the writer is talking about is that when we show hospitality, because angels are what? Angels are messengers of God. And when we show hospitality to others, when we truly are a hospitable community in your home or in your church, God speaks. God speaks. And, And in that fellowship, in that community, around that meal together, perhaps there is... There is something that draws us closer to, a, to God and to a deeper understanding of what it means to be the church that God has called us to be. So love your brothers and sisters. Love the strangers and show hospitality. In a minute, I'm going to show a video and give you an update on what's happening about Long Island. And, and I didn't know when we'd start serving on Long Island that there would be angels in our presence. But I will tell you, I learned a lot about God. And I learned a lot about God by the people that we were serving. God had something to teach me and to teach us. So show hospitality to the stranger. and goes on to say, continue to remember those in prison. As if you were together with them in prison. And goes on to say, and those who are mistreated as if you sell you yourselves were suffering. So we are to love the prisoner and love those who are mistreated. But how? We're supposed to do so as if we are in prison, as if we are mistreated, meaning we are supposed to enter into their suffering. We are to enter into their bondage. We are to enter into their pain. Beautiful example of this that I think many of us will know is Mother Teresa. She entered into the pain and suffering of the lepers. She entered into the pain and suffering of the abandoned children. She just didn't travel around the world giving beautiful speeches. She actually lived it every day of her life. And entered into that suffering. We see that with the Ebola concern going around. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Some people are saying it's being overhyped. And over, you know, talked about too much. I don't, I don't know about all that. But I know that some of the doctors and some of the nurses were entering into the suffering and pain of others. And risked their lives to do so. And that's Biblical. I'm not talking about being careless or being foolish, whether you're a physician or a missionary. I'm not talking about that at all. But at times, God will call you to enter into the suffering of others. For that is love. And that is what Jesus did for us. Entered into our world. Entered into our suffering. Entered into our pain so that we might be redeemed. And so that is how we are to live. So in this video you'll see a few pictures they're going to follow one uh, resident what happens uh, for those who you don't who don't know there is a, lo- a homeless shelter that's out on one of the islands um, if you were to walk down to quincy shore drive you'd see it and you'd see a bridge there that has been condemned and they shut down the largest homeless shelter in boston that was housing uh, 600 a night that's at least in the winter months and they shut it down it suddenly and evacuated because the bridge has been condemned and and now there was a serious homelessness problem there was already in the city of Boston, they don't have enough beds or services because all the services were out on the island. So the first picture that you'll see, they're going to follow one um, guest who's checking in. He's checking in at the Woods-Mullen facility, which was the normal procedure even when Long Island was open, and they go through metal detectors and things like that. Then they get on a bus and would come out to Long Island because Woods-Mullen would only house about 200 where Long Island could house, like I said, up to 600. Um, And now that Long Island is closed, this gives a little update of uh, what is going on with our friends uh, that were guests and clients of Long Island.
2: Well, it's, it's been challenging. It's a lot tighter quarters than what we had at Long Island, and we had beds there instead of cots, and we had pillows, which we don't have. But... We're out of the weather. It's, it's warm in here. There's plenty of staff. Boston Police Department has a presence here, I think, all the time. So everyone's behaving well. They bring us over here at night for dinner at 5. We're out uh, by 7 in the morning. When we were at Long Island, you could choose to go out with the buses in the morning or you could choose to stay indoors at Long Island for the day.
1: What is it like to sleep here? Oh, Uncomfortable. Oh. Uh, sleeping here is pretty tough. I mean, uh, you know, some guys don't take showers or their feet really stink and uh, and the snoring and uh, it's, uh, the cots are very
2: uncomfortable. Lights out at 9, although they can't turn all the lights out. Uh, they leave one row in the middle of the gym on. The guys right in the middle underneath those lights are sleeping in <laughs> full light. I've done that once. That wasn't much fun.
1: I mean, we knew we only had a certain period of time to kind of get people in here. Um, we wanted to um, just get this up and running. They're doing the best they can to accommodate us under the circumstances. This is what we have right now. So, I mean, it's six to eight weeks is, is what we've planned for. Um, we are looking at um, at other facilities to see if we can um, we can get, get something a little bit more permanent. Yeah,
2: one more. Like one of the things that... We homeless people need more than anything is stability. And this has been a very destabilizing time for us. We have no idea what to expect that our lives are going to be like in the short, medium and long term future. The homeless aren't going away.
0: So The writer to the Hebrews calls us to enter into the suffering, enter into those who have been mistreated. So what does that mean for us when the city right next door to us and the homeless have no place to go or the recovering addict or those coming out of prison? What does that mean for us? What would it look like for you and for me and for us to enter into that? There are some things we're doing now, and we'll continue to keep it in prayer. Obviously, we're going to continue to serve. There's local kitchens here in Quincy, and it doesn't help when Boston's largest, lar- largest shelter closes because now other shelters around the city of Boston will be overrun. There'll be a problem there. So we're going we're to serve there, and, and we'll serve in any way we can. They can't take volunteers yet because you could tell they're so overrun and so busy and don't even have room for volunteers at this time. It's just... And Talia emailed me earlier this week and says, just, you know, it's just a mess. We're doing the best that we can. So what would it look like for us to enter in? Since Long Island is closed, people have said, well, there will always be places to serve and you can go serve in other areas. And that's true. And I think the reason that I'm grieving so much is not because it was close and not because it was so convenient. It, it, I'm grieving because... It was a place that could take large numbers of volunteers on a short notice. And as you took the month of September, many of you to visit or said that you wanted to. And I saw this interest growing and desire to serve. And I saw other students who were going to lead different nights and they had friends that would serve. And then another person would lead another night and they had friends to serve. And all these different groups throughout this community were, were going to serve in different ways. And many of you were getting internships. And, and the only word I could have for was revival. See, I've heard revival talked a lot about in worship services and gatherings, and it starts in chapel services like this. But but I was seeing it out there through what you were doing. So we must not lose heart. We must not be discouraged. We must mourn and miss our friends that are now scattered throughout the city of Boston. We still must move forward trusting that God has a plan and a purpose for us and for you to serve and care for others. To enter into their suffering, to enter into their pain. So the writer reminds us, brothers and sisters, love one another. Because if you can love one another, then you're able and equipped to love those outside the church. So love the stranger. Love those who are being mistreated. Love and care for those. Enter into their suffering. Then the writer almost seems to move off topic, but if we look a little closely, we understand what's happening when we see in verse 4, Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulteral and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with, with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So love your brothers and sisters within community. Love the world. Love the stranger. Love the outcast. Love those who are mistreated. And live your life of faithfulness in a way where your love for God is always first. Where your love for God is always first. Demonstrate a life of faithfulness, of purity and commitment with your body as a faithfulness. Because God is before any relationship. Be faithful in marriage as a witness and testimony to God. Be faithful with your body in your life in all areas if you're called to the high and holy calling of singleness. Be faithful in those days because that is what honors God. You're demonstrating with your life. You are demonstrating with your body that you are faithful to God and that God is first and your first love and most important love. So don't allow another relationship or money or Anything else to get in the way of God? Because God is saying, I'll never leave you when others may. In fact, others will. I will never leave you or, or forsake you. So be faithful. Be, be faithful in the big and little things of life and make sure God is always your first love. So is God your first love. In many ways, maybe that's where it needs to start. In fact, I believe that it is. It is the first our love for God and accepting what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, who is higher than the angels, higher than Moses, who sits at the right hand of God the Father, who intercedes for us on our behalf. It's when we begin and make that decision to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and to, and to love God that we, can then, we then can begin to love others. We can then begin to love others in our church community, and those outside our church community. So show love for one another in Christian community. Show love for others. The strangers. The outcasts. Those who mistreated. Be faithful in everything. With your body. With your resources. Because it demonstrates your faithfulness and love for God. And keep God first. Nothing should come before God. And he closes with. The writer closes with verse 6. So we say with confidence. Or at least I close this message with verse 6. So we say with confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can human beings do to me? There are a lot of things that try to get in the way of the love we have for God and get in the way of the love we have for one another that tried to prevent us from loving those on Long Island. There are things that are happening. There are things that that happen that break our heart, whether it's a bridge being condemned or or people causing disruption in the church or 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 in, Whatever it may be, there are so many things that get in the way, but he's saying with confidence, keep God first and trust in God, for God will never leave you or forsake you. So is God your first love? And for those who testify that say, yes, Corey, God is my first love, have you been loving your brothers and sisters in this community? Have you been loving your brothers and sisters in your church community? And have you been loving the stranger and the prisoner and the outcast and those who are mistreated? For in doing so, we are demonstrating the love of Christ in the same way that Christ loved us. Dr. Smith's going to come, and we're going to sing a, a hymn in closing. It may be new to you, but again, it does remind us. and That was a beautiful hymn we sang before the message, so thank you for that, Dr. Smith. So as we go to prayer, and as we close in song, I challenge you with these questions. Is God first in your life? Are you loving your brothers and sisters in this community? And are you loving and showing hospitality to the stranger? And those who are mistreated. Heavenly Father we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the privilege and blessing it is. And the gift of grace that this community is. That, that the Christian community. The Christian church is a gift of grace. May we never forget that. And may we live of lives that are grateful for that. And I know I have much growing to do. But help me to love. Those in my church. Those in this community. Help me to demonstrate that and live that out. May we also do so to those outside of our church, outside of this Christian college, To, to whether those be people to the, in the city of Boston or the city of Quincy or in the public school systems where teachers that are, there are those that are preparing to be teachers. May we love them. We, we pray for those that are called to be social workers and those who are called to be scientists and doctors and going into criminal justice or uh, education or whatever area you're calling us into as you call us to go out. May we be people of Christian hospitality that cares and loves for others. And in those moments, Lord, where you call us to enter into the suffering, give us the strength and courage to take those risks and love as you have loved. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Heavenly Father, may we go and serve and live and love in the same way that you have served and lived and loved us. And as we stand and sing this benediction, as we often do, we sing it together. Praise God
2: from The scenes flow, praise him.